Welcome back to Radicalize Me, the show where we learn about activism and the activists who do it. My guest today is Matt Dundas, the third activist comedian I've had on the show. Uh, Matt has worked for several activist groups, most notably the environmental group Oceana. Um, and I say today, which is uh, July 12th, 2020, but I talked to Matt actually back in April. So if anything is outdated, that's why. Uh, he was one of the first people I interviewed for the show, actually, and it just so happened that I haven't got around to uh, posting it until now. I do have a couple of things to mention before we get to the interview. Uh, first off, I just did sort of a soft release of my new EP. It's called Rageonomics. It is a DIY protest album that I started working on back in March when we went into quarantine. I wanted to go... Uh, really go hard and just say fuck you to all the things in society that I've wanted to for a long time. So allow me to offer this as a uh, soundtrack, if you will, to your activism journey. It's currently available to listen for free on soundcloud.com slash Joe Messina Music. And uh, for $4, four songs, $4 on joemessina.bandcamp.com. And I'll throw those links in the description as well. And it will be uh, available on all platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, all that shit, um, by April. I'll give you more of a definite date when I know it. The other thing I wanted to say, which is related to what you'll hear me talk about with Matt, is that I hope you're all not over or underemphasizing the importance of voting. Um, I see so much of this back and forth bullshit on Twitter and Facebook, like, you better vote for Biden, fuckers, or there's no way I'm voting for Biden, and the whole system's fucked, I'm not participating, and I just want people to remember that voting is one strategic decision out of many, don't get too bogged down in it, alright, I get it, I hate Joe Biden. I don't get into the day-to-day -day politics shit that much on this podcast because you know why well, you know, we have a bigger mission here. But I think I've made no secret of my hatred for that man. But I'll say now, I'm going to fucking vote for him. I don't like him. I don't expect any progress from him. And I don't think he'd be doing anything special right now if he was president instead of Trump. But I want a bare minimum functionality return to our government, okay? Like, look, if... If Biden were president right now, would he usher in some perfect socialist solution and handle this pandemic as well as, you know, Japan or New Zealand? Absolutely not. But again, basic shit would have the pistons going. <laughs> you know, he wouldn't have disbanded that pa pandemic response team. You know, I don't I don't know what that team would have done, but it would have existed and at least made some kind of effort, however insufficient, as I'm sure it would be. But it's, you know, it's something as opposed to nothing and just active, <laughs> like, piling on the fucking harm. Um, he wouldn't have held federal aid hostage from governors he didn't like personally. And uh, he probably would have met with Fauci regularly and wouldn't have, like, banned him from speaking publicly about the virus. You know, he might have even used the Defense Production Act to get all the PPE made. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, it's these are the things worth considering. It's not uh, it's not wishful thinking. It's not uh, shaming. It's just, OK, like I get it. 
like, let's flip it around for a second and think of it this way, okay? Kim Jong-un signed the Paris Climate Agreement, okay? The most evil guy in the world was like, well, there has to be a world to be evil in, you know? I can do something good that takes five minutes so I can keep being evil. And that's what we're doing. Do one bad thing so you can do good things more easily. Vote for one asshole so that you can continue doing the rest of the work it takes to create a better world, right? Because again, voting is not the end-all be-all, and certainly voting for president is not the fucking end-all be-all. I'm just sick of opening Twitter and seeing hordes of leftists complaining about Biden and insisting over and over that they'll never vote for him. You know, all these fucking assholes with like, like uh, 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 hammer and sickle emojis in their goddamn handles and and uh you know they're all like anarcho communist libertarian socialist fucking like fuck you dude do something to go fucking do something all right yeah bernie lost it sucks ass we all hate biden but where does it get us to keep having this fucking conversation bernie was always a long shot you're going to give up because the long shot didn't make it to the biggest seat? There's so much other work to do, fucker. Listen to my goddamn show. The best minds are giving you a fucking playbook to follow. The United States federal government is a behemoth, white supremacist, big business machine that's been humming along for 250 years, and you think you're going to fix it in one election cycle? And if you can't, you quit? Fuck you, man. Wow, you figured them out. You're right. Joe Biden's not going to nominate fucking Angela Davis to the Supreme Court. I guess fuck it all. Shut up. Like, vote for him or don't. But either way, just shut the fuck up and get to work. Go do the things. Like, and people talk about new, like a new party or whatever. I'm, I'm all for building up a new party, but it has to start somewhere, okay? Howie Hawkins is just not going to win this election. It's not going to happen. Look at the Green Party website and see if they're running any local candidates. I just... <laughs> flinging my arms around. I just knocked shit over on my desk. All right. <laughs> See if they're running local candidates in your area, right? In your state or whatever. And if not, you can run yourself. But if you find some candidates, they're doing, you know, if, if they're not like something you can vote for, you, you, you can volunteer, you can donate, you know? Anyway. <laughs> now that I've uh, screamed at you and trashed my apartment, um, Let's get to my conversation with Matt Dundas. It might be the computer. I tried to hook up a lav, but it didn't work. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just got this um, loopback uh, software that kind of like uh, redirects the audio like straight into GarageBand. Hey. Um, what's up? Oh, sorry. Me. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, redirects the audio into GarageBand so you can manipulate it or whatever. Yeah, so I can just record straight in, um, you know, while we're talking. Because I, I was using just the record feature on Zoom, which just yeah. like, didn't come out that great. So. Oh, interesting. Good to know. Yeah. Now, are, are we getting the video as well, or, or are we just getting the audio? Um, just the Yeah, just the audio. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, so my... my <laughs> Dungeon background is not gonna. <laughs> yeah, it's a, gonna it's a good background, anybody. though. Yeah, <laughs> it's just for you. <laughs> Are you working from home? No, I don't work. I'm a stay-at-home dad. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you did say that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I I I used to do stand up comedy for pay. Uh, I'm curious about your your background in activism, and what uh, what kind what kind of stuff you did. Oh man, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm not very active right now. I mean, that's the okay. thing I should say first because um, uh, it's been a few years since since I was professionally involved. You know, mm. I. I attend rallies and such. Not now, yeah. <laughs> not, with the, not with the plague, but right. uh, for the last five years or so, it's been pretty on the, I've been pretty much on the bench. Many However, years, before so, that, I was very intensely uh, involved for in many, many years. Six, so, I was almost 20 uh, years old. I was 1996. I was almost 20 years old. I was 19. Post on a telephone pole telling me I should get a summer job. Post on a telephone pole telling me I should get a summer job. I did that for, uh, yeah. for eight years. That <laughs> so, was the yeah, I did that for, uh, uh, for, for eight me. years, I, was, I, I, I ended up going in for this job. It was uh, the strangest eight. thing in the world. I, had door <laughs> I, to door. I ended up going in for this job. It was the weirdest thing, thing in the world. I went door to door. Very temporary. And it was. I quit at the end of the summer. But then, very temporary. And it was. I quit at the end of the summer. But then, a few months later, I was looking for another job. And I was so like, I started back up. And then, I started running off. So I started back up. And then, I just kind of started running off for a while. And so, after eight years of that, causes in various forms uh, to various, break went to college which I hadn't done uh, and, uh, took a little break went to college was active on campus done. I thought and, uh, I'll do this I'll do like the 60s thing and I was active on campus I thought I'll do this I'll do like the 60s yeah. thing. <laughs> that was okay 28 um, right. yeah. <laughs> that was okay bounced um, around for a couple of years working on short-term bounced around for various for a couple of years working on short-term campaigns and OSHA's conservation and then I ended up at DC and OSHA's conservation so it's ninety in DC as a percent plus still environmental activism. Ninety percent plus in environmental activism. Yeah, was that um stuff mixed in? Yeah, yeah. Is that Oceania? Yeah, so I was there for a few DC? years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, so I was, was there for a few years. Cool. Yeah, I was just reading about them. The their list of of uh, you know things they've gotten accomplished and passed in the yeah. in just the past couple of years was really cool. Um, yeah. You know, it's just stuff like you don't even hear about, I guess. But uh, it's 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 good to see that because I think that's sort of like um, what got me thinking about all this, got me to start this show. I'm like, OK, I think elections are important, but whoever it is, I think, you know, someone's just going to make Correct. do things, you know. Correct. So it's Correct. like I'm, I'm reading it and it's like, you know, some of it's from 2019 when Trump's president. Some of it's, you know, before that when Obama's yeah. president. Yeah. Some of it's in Canada. You know, it's like it doesn't yeah. matter. Just yeah. like you got to go and, and push, right. push back on whoever it is. <laughs> Dude, it's significantly better. It's, it's unspeakably better. <laughs> but I don't know if you were being... Uh, if you were making an understatement on purpose or not, but just to make sure <laughs> it's so, so unspeakably different. If, oh yeah. So I was just, I was just clarifying. Trump is, is, is horribly so much worse than Biden. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just that was really clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny that I think that's how we started talking was, uh, you, right. you had a post about Biden and, uh, my, you know, my stock response to a lot of that stuff lately has been like, all right, but what else are you you going to do? <laughs> like, right. you know, you, like it's rare to find someone like you who's like, hey, here's like the very real material reasons why like Biden would be a better president than Trump. And also here's all this other stuff we should do. 
when like a lot of the time I, I just see people fighting about Joe Biden and I'm like, guys, like, I don't know where any of this is getting us. I, I think uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot like, like even because I'm like, yeah, vote for Joe Biden, but then, then what, and what between now and then, you know? <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I feel strongly about that. You know, as I wrote in the post, I, I, I felt like one of the big tragedies of the Obama administration was frankly a, a mistake that Trump didn't make, which was once Obama won the election, the army that put him in office was disbanded and they weren't utilized. And, and I can understand from Obama's perspective, I, I don't think he understood that they were necessary uh, to pressure him. Like from his perspective, he doesn't need pressuring. He knows the right thing to do. But what was necessary for the politics as a whole was for there to be a million people or more pressuring from the left to, to, so that he could then point to that pressure. Instead of saying, I'm going to do this policy because it's the right thing to do and I believe in it, he could say, it's the right thing to do, I believe in it, and these assholes are making me. I can't, I can't not do it. I have to do it. You see the politics. Whereas he just said to everybody, hey, I got this. Whereas Trump came in and Trump kept doing the rallies. Right. <laughs> drives everybody nuts, drives me nuts. At the same time, it's really smart politics because he's able to keep his people really engaged and enraged. Uh, I wish that weren't how I felt. Yeah. I, I, I wish that weren't necessary. But I think it drives to the, the broader truth, which is that when your person wins, that's when your real pressure campaign begins. You switch from, I support this person, to, I need to make this person do what I want them to do. Right. Yeah, because it, it's 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 a... I think people get very wrapped up in the emotions of it. And it's like, no, it's, it's one of many strategic moves. Like, yeah, it's very important to vote this way if you want X. And like, then there's like, you know, a million other steps. Um, do, you, yeah. <laughs> do you think that's, um, do you think that's like a more of a uh, failing of uh, politicians like Obama, the DNC as an organization, or is it a larger, uh, like cultural problem where like Americans are not seeing uh, the need for, for civic engagement. I think a lot of times sort of, you know, left-leaning liberal types type of people kind of think like, Hey, you know, like I did the right thing. I voted for Obama. He's this smart young guy. He went to Harvard, like he can handle it. And (laughs) it's like uh, as much as, you know, Obama should have communicated that I think, a lot of people, it, it would fall on deaf ears a lot of the time too. I th- do you do you think that's true, or do you think like yeah, no? I think all those factors you listed are are really central. I think the culture is really important. I I think culturally you could point to a few things. Number one, people's lives have gotten very busy. Yeah, you know, so a hundred years ago, people were they were busy, but they were doing things like you know wringing out their clothes and like going to the river to get like a bucket, you know, water, <laughs> and it was the pain in the ass. But you also I think had had a little bit more downtime to read a book or maybe go participate in a lynch mob or whatever <laughs> horrible thing was happening. But uh, now people are, are really stretched thin uh, where they're not working two jobs. They're binge watching shows. There's so much entertainment. There's yeah. so much social life going on in the city. Cities have become a hotbed of activity and people are really engaged. And, I mean, not anymore. You know, this, this, this COVID thing changes everything, but up till now. And then on top of that, you've got... Um, the popular culture throwing lots of uh, decoys at you. So, so all the way from MSNBC to Fox, you've got 
them telling you what the outrageous issues of the day are. Right. Um, and those issues rarely last more than a news cycle or two. Uh, they rarely give you, you know, the tools to get engaged civically. And even when they do, like, okay, we, we want you to sit down and write a letter to your congressperson. Let's say Rachel Maddow encouraged somebody to do that. You know, how many Americans have done that? How many people know how to find their congressperson's address? I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, you know, and then on top of that, you make what I think was just a mistake on Obama's part to not keep his people as engaged as they'd been going into the election. And I think it was both both directions. Obama felt like, hey, I've got this. I'm a Harvard-educated, intelligent, motivated, right. <laughs> driven, good person. I want what's good for people. I'm going to do the right thing. And everybody felt like we elected this guy. Now we can chill. And yeah. it's it's just the opposite. Like, if anything, the time when, when Trump wins, you got to kind of put some pressure on him. But that's the time to, like, go back to school and learn about history and learn about uh, the issues that are happening right now so that the next time somebody who might listen to you is in power that you can apply those skills but trump's not going to listen to anybody but his base right now yeah very few exceptions whereas a democrat would there so it's like it's it's kind of the opposite it's counterintuitive uh, but that's you know that's, that's that's what i think happened yeah um God, it sucks it does <laughs> it really does and uh yeah because i definitely feel that now because you know, I have time to think about it and I have time to put into some of this stuff, like calling your Congress people and whatever. Mm. But like, um, you know, it's, it's one thing for me to call Nancy Pelosi, but like if hundreds of other people are not doing it, um, there's only so much, <laughs> so much I can do. Um, right. and also like, you know, just like you're saying it's, everyone's busy and you know, I, I called and left a message once when you know uh i think it was because recently they like um uh, congress didn't push through this like vote from home uh amendment or something and, and pelosi was like oh let's wait for republicans to come back and put some input i'm like why that's insane um right. they're not waiting for you to give them input um so it was like i call and leave a message and it's like well you know it's i should have called back. Like I should keep, you know, like I, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know if, if that's just like a dead end or, um, or what, but like, uh, yeah, what, I guess, so what, what is the approach that, you know, an organization like Oceana takes yeah. and that like, what, what can people do? with this feeling of like, I got to do something. Well, there's a lot you can do. And it's one of those things about pop culture that drives home the, the false message that there's not a lot you can do. You, you know, you can't not just, you can't, what am I, double negative, I'm trying to do a triple negative. Here. It's <laughs> not just that you can't fight City Hall. It's that just, if you can't fight City Hall, forget Congress. Like you're crazy right. to think you yeah. can change Nancy Pelosi's position. It's actually not true. It just, it just takes focus and it takes time and it takes effort and usually time is money right so if you're you you're, you have a job you can't necessarily quit your job and just call nancy pelosi all day um <laughs> if you only. can become a professional activist so <laughs> if only um so but like at places like oceana and other places i've worked it's been my 
profession. So like I'm paid, they, they hire me to give me the money that I need to get the food to, to sustain me so that I can really give myself to the thing. And, and when you give yourself to the thing and you've got the name backing of a group like Oceana that you can, you can reach out to people and say, hey, I'm, I'm representing this group that you can look on our website and look at all of our victories and you'll know that it's legit and our approach works. Um, so you can have confidence, you can listen to me and I can tell you what to do. And you, if you do it and we all do it together, we'll see an impact, maybe. Yeah. You know, what they don't list on Oceana's website is all of the losses. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of those too. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but it does work yeah. all the time. And what it, what it basically is, is not just you calling Nancy Pelosi, but you call her and, and then you call through a list of 500 other people who you've identified one way or the other as likely to agree with you and get them to make the same phone call. So if you call Nancy over and over again, after three times, they're just going to probably think you're a crank. And I don't know what they're going to think, especially if you're not a constituent in her district. And so when it comes to, or that's, that's what organizing is. You're, you're not just an activist yourself making those phone calls and attending rallies, but you're then you're on the phone or you're going door to door, whatever it is that, that helps you to get the word out to massive numbers of people. And, and ideally if you're, you know, if you get, once you get high enough on the, in the food chain, you then are calling people, you, you've got your little team of people who then they have their teams of people who then they have their teams of people. And so, you know, you can think of it as sort of a phone tree where the person at the top gets the messages out to the people below and then those people to the people below. And so it's not like I'm making 500 phone calls because even 500 phone calls, if everybody made that phone call, it's still a drop in the bucket. Each member of Congress has 600,000 constituents. So you need to get thousands and thousands of these phone calls. And once that happens, then you really do start getting the attention of the congressperson. And they're like, oh, geez, if, if 2,000 people called me in, in a two-day period, I'm going to listen to what they have to say, whether I agree with it. I, I, suddenly, I feel the heat. And each phone call matters. But it matters in particular if it's in the context of a campaign. So you, Jim, at home, getting enraged about a thing, so, so motivated by it. I mean, it's, it's impressive to hear. You're so enraged by the thing. You called the Speaker of the House <laughs> in the office to tell her that you didn't like what she did. Right. Um, I think the next move, if I were you, I would be, I would Google, you know, who's working on this issue? Who else is mad? Is move on mad? Who's mad? And if you find the group that's mad, call them and say, hey, I want to volunteer for you guys. I'm stuck in my house. Yeah. <laughs> People I can call. Right. And you have a, I'll, I'll call however many, I got all day. I'm, I'm, I'm unemployed. I'm stuck in my house. Give me a list of 10,000 people. I'll, I'll get to them over the course of the next three weeks you know that that's one one possibility yeah yeah nancy pelosi with knives in her face and fax them to her but i don't recommend that <laughs> right um yeah yeah and that that's sort of uh the approach i've taken with activism you know because i i sort of tried the route you did with like let me make this my profession mm. and it it wasn't for me in, in a variety of ways but uh uh, so were a lot of jobs I tried, but, uh, yeah. The, what, did, what did you do? What was the route? Um, you I, I, I interviewed and trained with one of these like door to door groups. It was like an environmental. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then I worked very briefly, like, like a week or two with, with another similar organization yeah. in Philly. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, 
I don't have the personality for it. I don't have the, the <laughs> patience for it. it it's, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, all these things are important, but no one should feel like oh, you have to do this thing right. or right. you're not helping. Um, right. you know, I like, I finally found my lane sort of, uh, professionally. And then I'm like, okay, how can I use what I know how to do to mm. help these people? You know? Yeah. Um, so like, like before, um, the lockdown, I was talking to sunrise movement about yes, doing yeah. like a comedy show fundraiser, hey. um, you know, that kind of thing. So, and you know, now I'm doing a podcast. So, <laughs> so it's hey. like, whatever it is, um, you can reach out to these places and just say like, Hey, here's what I do know how to do. Does that help? And <laughs> does that help you in any way? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also great to just, you know, throw a bunch of darts at the dartboard and just, you know, see which one lands and then, and then follow that one. Yeah. Um, so you, I take it your profession is not related to activism, but you're saying you've, you found a profession you like. Yeah. Now it's time in your downtime to contribute something. Is that what I Yeah. Heard? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I teach music actually, which uh, oh, awesome. I was raised you know studying classical music very intensively and and taught myself guitar and piano and like um did like uh, you know it was all music all the time until college and then you know i started doing comedy i was like i want to want to write i want to do like a million other things and then um i tried all the all the like uh uh working in restaurants and retail jobs and stuff and just, you know, yeah. play, living like the artist lifestyle um, until I eventually realized like, okay, there's this thing I know how to do. So let me just go do that. And like, it's not like I hate it. Like I, I really enjoy it. So it's fine to like do that. I can still do comedy. I can still do activism. I can, you know, um, yeah, make it all happen. New generation of artists. Right. Yeah how to do the thing that's really cool yeah yeah and especially it's like uh comedy you know especially but in music too kind of woke me up to a lot of uh the political world you know um so it's it's not like it's completely you know unrelated to to what i care you know what i care yeah, about sure. in like a large sense yeah. um yeah, I wanted to go back to a point you made. I'm just going to grab this book that's right over here so I Great. don't get the uh, title wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, Engines of Liberty by David Cole. Um, how Citizen Movements Succeed. So, because you made a point about, you know, Oceana listing their accomplishments and they, they don't always mention the failures. Right. And that's <laughs> what this book does very well. Um, you know, there's, there's like a section, um, on like each section is like about a different, uh, sort of a civil rights victory. Um, the first one that I'm reading right now is about, um, the, uh, uh, gay marriage legalization. And it's very interesting because it talks about all these steps along the way, different course, court cases, different, um, movements. And it's so funny because like you'll be reading a section and it's like, oh, that's so cool. Like they must have like, you know, gotten this win in, in, in this court battle in, in Hawaii or whatever. And then it's like and and uh, they failed and that didn't work at all. But but what, what it did do was like move the needle on public opinion this much. And then they 
then later someone did this in another state and um it's 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 very cool to hear that because um it's uh it these things do seem very daunting and it seems like um the people who accomplish these things are like magical otherworldly beings you know but uh Martin Luther King and <laughs> whoever you want to name was just a person who decided to you know yeah and and he was standing on the shoulders of other people who came before him you know, and that, uh, nobody ever does it alone. You know, people are always really eager to hear about the hero of a story because our brains, I think, are just wired that way. We like to follow individual people and we like to hear that they did really great, pious things and that they saved us. And there's some truth to that. Obviously, Martin Luther King was brilliant and he did amazing things. But, you know, if you don't have Rosa Parks, if you don't have uh, the leaders that, that came before and, and taught him uh, how to do it, uh, then there's no Martin Luther King. You know, he would have been an unknown, uh, uh, you know, pastor and uh, maybe would have changed a, a handful of lives. But um, yeah, and, and obviously he experienced a lot of defeat himself. The, the history was not written in advance. You know, you got to go out and actually make it happen. And that's, it's, it's similar with comedy. Uh, you know, who was it? It was on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee that uh, Alec Baldwin says to Jerry Seinfeld, you know, a lot of people like to think that there's like a entertainment commission that just shows up at your house. You're sitting on your couch and they show up and they're just like, we hear you have a lot of talent. We're here to recruit you. <laughs> it's like, it's just not how it works. As you know, you've got to go out there and suck forever uh, and gradually get better and better and better. And it's the same with activism. You know, you've got to either knock on doors or phone bank or attend rallies before you can organize a door knocking or phone bank or, or a rally. Um, and then if you love it and you got a skill for it, then, you know, you can start organizing bigger and bigger rallies. And then suddenly you're the keynote speaker at the 1963 March on Washington for jobs and freedom. And everybody knows about your dream. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's got to start somewhere. Right. And so for a person like you and for so many other people who, have this feeling things have gone really wrong. It's not your career, you're time limited. I think it's, I think it's, it's big to, to attend, well, now on Zoom or wherever else, meetings where other like-minded people are, are discussing and coordinating, strategizing how to build upon each other's work so that you aren't just, calling Nancy Pelosi once a month by yourself. Right. And <laughs> you know? um, it, it just works so much better in a group. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's an approach I've started to take is literally just like these zoom meetings are happening. You know, every week there's, there's a few you could go to. And I, uh, you know, I tune in when I can and I just listen and, and uh, I now and then I say, Hey, what about this? Like, is this, is this uh, an idea that could go anywhere or am I talking out of my ass? Like, and yeah. that's just sort of how it goes. Uh, yeah. Another way in which, um, comedy, uh, uh, overlapped with this for me is, is that, um, you know, like a lot of young people who get into stand up, you sort of look out at the, the vast world in front of you and you're like, how do I go from, this open mic to like doing any of this cool stuff I want to do in this industry, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, I heard a lot of unsatisfying answers from people like, Oh, you just keep doing it or whatever. And it's like these vague things that <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Um, 
But uh, one of the best things I heard was from uh, actually a guy who worked in the office at Helium in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, hey, I, I want to be a comic. I want to like work in clubs. I want to do all this stuff. And he was like, all right, so here's my advice. Stop thinking about clubs. Like, <laughs> just don't don't even worry about that at all. Go and do your own thing. Just make stuff. Right. Um, and it was after that, actually, that a friend and I started a, uh, a monthly like political comedy variety show in Philly at uh, Good Good. And, um, we, we did that for like two years and Mm. we did a lot of shows for six people. And then we had like a, uh, 2016 election special and an inauguration special that like, that were like sold out packed to the gills standing room only. (laughs) So it was like, um, and, and that also made connections for us that were like, you know, invaluable. So, that that's the kind of thing it's like you're saying if 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 you have an idea like i'm going to call this representative so talk to people see who else is interested in doing that and just kind of right. do it because <laughs> right. calling pelosi once is kind of like going to one open mic right yeah like why aren't i on <laughs> hbl you know? exactly yeah i'm on here i mean again it's 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 still good. It, it is still better than nothing. It's different than it's different than doing one open mic in the sense that it is still a drop in a big bucket that does add up. You know, if, if you feel it, probably a lot of other people feel it. And so I'm sure you weren't the only person to call right. or office. Yeah. Um, is it just tends to be more reliably effective if it's in concert with, you know, an, an, an organ, frankly, an organization, whether it's sunrise or anybody else. Yeah. Uh, that is coordinating around that particular issue because for all you know sunrise was organizing that very same time trying to get people to call pelosi about a slightly different thing right and if you'd known that you probably would have called and channeled your anger toward that thing because you'd known that it's adding up to all the other calls sunrising is doing you know yeah it's yeah it's straightforward when you take a step back uh yeah comedy and and organizing have a lot in common mm. <laughs> both very hard right yeah they're both uh, a lot of work and a lot of disappointment <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah i think the best uh the best tip for comedy is just get as good as you can I mean, that's basically what the guy at good at uh, helium was saying to you right i mean just right just get really really good at it yeah doors will open and it's similar to uh to organizing it's just in order to get good at organizing you kind of have to get a job doing it Hmm. or you have to be independently wealthy or you have to give all of your free time to it or all three right (laughs) ideally all three right (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely um it's uh yeah when it comes to um you know calling representatives and stuff i think that that's something that can seem very futile and very like, you know, why would they listen to me? Um, but uh, it's like you said, call, you know, one person calling once is not nothing. And it does give you, um, if nothing else, if you talk to someone and ask like pointed questions in, in that office, you'll, you'll get an answer. It might, you know, it's not going to be like, you're right. I'm going to change. And it might not be like, uh, screw you. I'm the villain, you know, like, but you know, I called, um, 
I think I can't remember who it was. It was uh, the senator from South Carolina, who's not Lindsey Graham. Um, and uh, 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 yeah, go on. Yeah, <laughs> Scott something. I don't know, but uh, Tim Scott. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it it was uh, what was it? It was when they were passing the first bill for the coronavirus relief, and he was one of the guys standing up and being like, "Oh, well, this unemployment." amendment is bad because what if people get more money than they made at their jobs you know like you know the very adequate amount of money people make at their jobs that it would be insane if you got more than that um yeah. <laughs> but uh the the thing i kept thinking when i was hearing republicans say this was that uh like oh it's funny how you you seem to be fine with giving all this, you know, billions of dollars to corporations that don't pay taxes, but somehow are getting tax relief <laughs> from this bill. Right. Um, right. Well, yeah, they, they claim to have a bigger picture in mind. Right. Yeah. And I, I called his office and, and asked that of the person who answered. And, you know, she didn't have an answer. But that's the thing is she was like, well, uh, no, no, he hasn't made any statement about that. I was like, oh, that that's interesting. <laughs> and it's like, if not, you know. It's it's good to hear that. It's good to hear that answer because then you're like, no, he doesn't care about that. Then then you sort of know what you're dealing with. Right. Um, right. So yeah, it's it's, it could be very responsive. You know, I, I wish I could remember what the issue was. I, I I'll, let's just say it was education because I was in college at the time and I was living out in Seattle, Washington, and my representative was was uh, this guy named Jim McDermott who was one of the leftmost members of the Congress at that time and had been in office for decades and, and was kind of an institution. And uh, I was calling, I don't recall if I was calling in advance of the bill or because he'd done the wrong thing. Right. I don't recall, but I got somebody on his team and I, I said my piece. And like a week later, I got a, a package from his office in the mail. Really? Uh, yeah, it was like this. It was, it was almost the size of a phone book. It was like he sent me the bill. Wow. Your office sent me like 300 pages. It was so, it was such an overwhelming response. I I just never got in touch with his office about anything ever again. I was like, you guys can take this. I didn't know you were going to be so detailed. I'm sure you're just right. Um, yeah. I mean, which is not really the right reaction, but <laughs> I should have like been like, oh, I'm going to read this and I'll get back to you. You know, that's what I should have done. But I was, I was just trying to be a good citizen and make a phone call and, and, yeah, so some, some offices are very, very responsive to every single inquiry. I've heard rumors about this office or that office on either end of the spectrum. Uh, certainly plenty are not responsive, but it certainly is not helpful if you're not a constituent. Like that, it's almost, it's almost meaningless if you're not a constituent. Like better, frankly, to call a friend in San Francisco and get them to call Nancy Pelosi right. than for you to call Nancy Pelosi yeah. because, I mean, she's the speaker, so it's okay for you to call her, but it's it's more effective if somebody who's going to vote against her. Right. If she did the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Better than that. <laughs> um, so this is something the, the other guys I've had on the podcast so far are, um, uh, union organizers. Mm. Um, so I was wondering if you have any experience with that and what, what your thoughts are on how that connects to the rest of this. Yeah, I do have a little experience. It's very little. Um, I, I worked for uh, SEIU, the Service Employees International Union, for six weeks in 2004 on the Howard Dean campaign. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you remember how that turned out. 
Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, we didn't win, but uh, it was it was a tough six week run. But it was very interesting to uh, to work for a union in their political arm, and uh, and then I did on uh, when I was bouncing around as a um, kind of a consultant, I I worked on at least one or two other worked for a teachers union in Massachusetts, uh, maybe one or two others. Um, uh, yes, a union thing in Arizona. Anyway, it's um, it is a different beast. They operate differently than the environmental groups that I worked for. They've got a different constituency. They've got a union dues-paying work-based constituency that they have to answer to, uh, and they're also intertwined in many cases with the Democratic Party in in ways that the environmental groups generally aren't. Right. Uh, and so they tend to endorse candidates. They tend to go get out the vote for candidates, which is what I was doing. Uh, whereas typically an environmental group, with some exceptions, doesn't make endorsements. The ones I generally worked for never made endorsements. Oceana didn't, Perg didn't. Um, and that's precisely because they want to pressure whoever wins. And right. so they don't want to be seen as tipping the scales in one direction or another. Obviously, these days the parties have gotten so, they diverged so far mm-hmm. that there's almost no point anymore uh, in not helping a candidate, although it affects your tax status. Oh, okay. Uh, but. Uh, that was very interesting working for the union sort of spouting the democratic party line yeah from a union perspective uh-huh. it was a short but interesting tenure i had with them yeah that that's interesting i i don't i don't think i was aware of the uh you know i know that more times than not unions are probably going to support democrats um right. i don't know about union members it probably goes either way but right. um a lot of the uh, the criticism and sort of the analysis of why like uh, labor struggles so much in America and why like we didn't have quite the you know our like New Deal era wasn't quite the like transformation that say like Scandinavia a lot of the places in Europe had at that time um, was and th- the criticism is that like uh, for whatever reason the democratic party was never really a labor labor party. Um, it was always kind of this, like, uh, they sort of want to be everything to everyone. (laughs) And, uh, so yeah, like, I, I don't think I was aware of like, uh, the sort of campaign connection that, um, like your job at that, uh, that union organization, um, so I'm curious, like, what, uh, how far does that connection go, and what are the the sort of roadblocks there? Well, I, I don't know how far it goes. Yeah. I really don't. I know that the one I worked for, SEIU, is um, among the more progressive unions that are out there. I, I don't believe all unions are all Democrat all the time. Mm. I, I don't know. Um, and I don't know how deep the connections go, other than that when they make an endorsement and make a commitment to help a campaign, they... I think that there are laws they have to adhere to, but um, they they do basically everything in their power to assist that candidate's campaign. I, I just it's been a long time. I mean, Howard yeah. Dean was years ago, and, and um, I only keep up on the sidelines nowadays with my kids screaming at me in one ear and I'm trying to follow what's happening with right. the other. And sometimes I mix up who's saying who, <laughs> yeah. who's saying what. Um, but, uh, 
I, my understanding is that the unions are very deeply enmeshed with DNC, which okay. comes with a whole universe of pros and cons. Right. Um, you know, because I also did a campaign with the DNC uh, that same year after SEIU. I, I worked for a contractor on behalf of the Democratic Party. And I'll tell you, man, and this is the thing that I just found so interesting. I had spent several years working for environmental groups at this point, And then I thought, you know, if Bush wins another term, it just doesn't, none of the issues I care about are going to get addressed. And yeah. so I got to stop working for the environment and I got to work to elect John Kerry, which um, he would have been unspeakably better, just like Biden. You know, I, I pause and I take a deep breath before I say his name because it's like he kind of is like Biden in, in some ways where it's like, well, I would have preferred the more progressive candidate, but. The, the choice is very clear, and and so I've got to go out there. I got to kind of suck it up, yeah, and go out and and put my full force of my weight behind John Kerry. And anybody that says anything negative about John Kerry, I'll just kill him because <laughs> it's it's just you don't understand the stakes. Right, uh, it's the same right now. Um, right, but the uh, the point I was going to make was that my people, if I have a people, <laughs> which I don't have a people, <laughs> people. but if I had a people, they, they really are the environmental group colleagues that I worked with. Those kind of eat dirt for the cause kinds of people. Yeah. When I switched over to the Democratic Party, I, I noticed a distinct character drop off. Distinct. Yeah. <laughs> wanted a paycheck. Right. And they wanted to go home on time and they didn't want to hang out and they didn't, you know, the issues, they were all kinds of different. They were motivated by all kinds of different issues, of course. Yeah. Right. It's a big thing. Um, but I was much more enamored with the environmental group. And I eat meat, I drive a car. Like, I'm not, you know, perfect on the issue. But those people were really, from my perspective, they were just pure of heart. Yeah. And, and when I got in bed, so to speak, with the Democrats, I just after that election, I just took a five week shower because yeah. I and I've never considered myself a Democrat. I think political parties are dangerous. Yeah. I think we're in the situation that we're in right now because we didn't listen to George Washington. who tried to stop <laughs> political parties from yeah, getting yeah. That's, so hard. Yeah. Amer anyway. America's been going downhill since uh, <laughs> 1799. <laughs> yeah, he should have gone for a third term. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I you know so so now I I find myself in the uncomfortable position like that Facebook post you saw of just mm. being like fuck anybody who doesn't support Joe Biden I understand that he's not perfect get your get your grievances out now and then and then shut up yeah because as bad as he is you know my analogy is you know we're on the Titanic and he's our lifeboat Are you gonna right. poke holes in our lifeboat motherfucker yeah yeah. And it's, yeah, that's, that's when I, you know, when I first saw that post, I don't think I realized how close my, my opinion is to that because like, it is like a, okay, I get it. You don't like him. Now what? Like <laughs> there's, there's only so far that conversation can go. Um, right. and it's like, I, I do, um, I very much understand that, like, you know, saying I I'm not voting for Joe Biden is not, it's not always like a privileged, like, you know, I, well, yeah, my parents have money. I don't have to worry about it. Like it is that a lot, like a lot of things, but you know, it is also like people who are way worse off and have kind of given up. And, and I'm like, I get, I get it. You know, that's, and that's a job that, you know, people uh, who, who are supporting Joe Biden or any Democrat or whatever, it's, it's, you know, upon us to 
like make the case um, to those people. But yeah, and it's, it's true that this guy's not as bad as the other guy is is not the strongest case. Right, <laughs> it's, just not, it's not a compelling case to most people. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. But I I I identify with uh, what it sounds like you went through at after the two thousand four election because um, you know in the past couple of months with Bernie dropping out and, and Biden winning and all this, it's, it's, it's started to, the pattern has started to really like form for me. Um, mm. Like the, you know, the watermark is coming through and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this is, uh, this is kind of how it goes, you know? Um, and it's, a, it doesn't mean give up. It doesn't mean like fuck Bernie Sanders, but it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, like Bernie Sanders is not a revolutionary. He's a guy trying to work within the system, and that's good. I'm really glad he's in the Senate. I'm glad, even like you know, Warren was a bit of a disappointment for me this year too. But I'm glad yeah. she's in the Senate. You know, like they are very important. Um, but I know that at least for myself, like I have been very like Bernie centric and everything for like five years now. Yeah. And uh, I think to see people s- just still like just like going back and forth and yelling at each other about who's the VP should be. I'm like, guys, just like cast your vote and then, you know, make a plan. Uh, right. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and I mean, ideally, don't just cast your vote. If you're, if you're so motivated that you're going to spend all this time on Facebook, uh, you know, proselytizing one point of view or another you know you can use that time i would argue far more effectively uh helping to phone bank for your local congressperson or candidate who's up in a tight race or for joe biden or you know if you've got somebody you hope will be his vice presidential pick you know call the biden campaign let him know your opinion whatever yeah. it might be. um but the social media stuff i don't know for me that's that's just entertainment Right. You know, that's not real. That doesn't, I mean, it, it may at some point change somebody's mind or whatever, but yeah. that post was like, that was in response to a previous post I'd made, which was a total joke. Um, just about the governors of different states working together in regions. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be neat if like all 50 states <laughs> yeah. together, had like one person in charge of all this? Uh, like, and we could appoint that person like in November. Right. And a bunch of people commented, they're like, oh, you mean like Biden? <laughs> <laughs> and like a bunch of i got a bunch of those comments to the point where i was like oh shit i think i think my left-wing friends and they're and they're generally not well-to-do people they're generally hard-working folks who care a lot probably lined up behind uh bernie although i don't know if bernie lines people up i think they're more like cats but <laughs> yeah. Uh, um you know and these and so i could see oh gosh there's, there's this this taste i can't handle nine months or whatever it is six seven months of this sort of distasteful like let's get it out now and so i posted that yeah partly for my own catharsis partly because i, I could see that it was really there and and mostly for entertainment right uh, and then it just turned into a you know by far the most effective facebook post i've ever made yeah it's the only one that's landed me on a podcast yeah there you go that's it. yeah it, it does get people talking um and it's like yeah it's, it's that's uh i i go back and forth with that about social media because i'm like it's it's so much trash, but then like, okay, but it does get people talking and now and then you have something important happen on it, which couldn't happen without the baseline of trash, right? Like that's Twitter needs to exist for, for there to be. 
I mean, I, I do disagree. I'm probably alone on this, but I feel like if, if I could snap my fingers I would, I, and make anything happen, I would go back to like 1987 technology and just freeze us forever. Yeah. yeah. So like, I want the phone, right. but I don't want the phone in my pocket all yeah. the time. Yeah, you it's know? true. I want to have a camera, but I don't need it in my pocket. Uh, because, you know, when I started in 96, now I'm going to sound like grandpa, but like, you know, we had clipboards and pieces of paper and yeah. pencils. Mm. And that's all we had. Yeah. With clipboards and pencils and paper, we were able to pass laws on a federal level. Yeah. Because we exchanged clipboards, you know, at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) We would work together in in a strategic way. You know, back before they had any of this stuff, when you talk about George Washington, the Revolutionary War, you know, human beings are able to organize without fucking Facebook. Right. We we can't do it. It, And although I think it would be a complete debacle at this point if our internet went down in the middle of COVID. Yeah. I really think (laughs) now that they destroyed all the newspapers, if we went dark at this point, it would be pretty bleak but you're right there is something salvageable in there but it's no replacement for calling nancy pelosi it's it's, right that's much more direct Mm -hmm. so much more effective is your phone call to nancy pelosi's office than my facebook post right (laughs) ever could have been Mm -hmm. i believe yeah yeah that um yeah that's true and and that's what i think that's what it comes down to when we're talking about this uh online bickering about Joe Biden or whatever it is. Like that to me is just starting to feel like we're, you're fixating on one little piece of this puzzle. It's like, uh, like you you need it in there. It's part of the whole picture. But like, it's like if I was arguing all day about which representative to call or like what I should say when I call, you know, like it's like, it's it's important. Yeah. Think about it, talk about it. But, then just do it and do the next thing. <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing. We're on to the next thing already. So like we had that process. Right. That was the primary. Yeah. And people can argue, but a certain number of states hadn't hadn't participated yet. Yeah, but there are reasons why Bernie himself got out. There, there are really important big reasons. Bernie wasn't bought off. Nobody put a gun to his head and said, you got to get out or we'll kill you. Like he knew all of the universe of knowledge that he needed to know in order to make that decision. And he got out. What does that say? Right. To the folks who support him, it should say, now is the time for him to have gone. And just to be clear, I said it in the post, but just to be clear, I'm a Bernie guy too. I, I think Bernie is, has done incredibly positive things for this country. I'm proud to say I was following his career well before 2016. Yeah. And, you know, he did that um, speech on the Senate floor where he uh, he pulled the Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I can't remember what the issue was now, but he spoke for like 24 straight hours and did some oh got some press over it and it was like the most inspiring thing you yeah. remember what that was about? i'm not sure it wasn't the alan greenspan thing right that that was that was no. separate but yeah that's probably around when i became aware of him like you know yeah. about 10 years ago ish yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> everybody points out he's very consistent you know yeah. biden will be sort of like clinton in that he'll bounce around a little bit on his yeah. stances uh but not bernie and, and i was a nader guy back in 2000 and you know, Bernie, I think, learned from Nader, ran inside the party system instead of from the outside. Yeah. Uh, specifically so that he wouldn't mess up the outcome of the general election. Right. And so that he maybe win the damn thing. And he's influenced a lot of the policies of the mainstream Democrats in ways Nader never did. Right. That's true. Um, yeah, that's. I, I think Nader was a lot more effective in, you know, the 70s when he was, like, getting seatbelts put in cars and stuff than... Yeah. Uh, when he ran for president, which is fine, you know, it's great. Like I'm, I'm 
kind I'm glad the Green Party exists because it does like um it's a challenge to the, you know, the uh duopoly, but um yeah, at the end of the day they're they're not a very effective organization. Like th- that's one thing. I know there's like a lot of um a lot of shit the DNC and RNC pull to keep it so it's just them involved. So yeah. it's not completely fair to write off the Green Party and any third party is like, why can't you get your shit together? But like at the same time, it's like I I went down this road and it's like there's nothing really there because they're just not a great organization. <laughs> uh, and I think it's going to have to be either a, a new party or like just this this extra electoral stuff that we're talking about, like like organizing. Um, that's really going to make the difference because, uh, yeah, the on, on our show, um, our political show in Philly, we interviewed the Pennsylvania um, Green Party chair and mm. she was a huge disappointment. <laughs> I remember like because <laughs> oh. I did some research beforehand and uh, the first thing I asked when when we brought her out, I was like, uh, why don't you have a website? Because. <laughs> Like the, the I think the party did, but like she was technically a candidate for something and she didn't have like a campaign website. And she was like, oh, well, we have like paper candidates that keep us in in the running for I'm like, well, why don't you pretend you're a real party? And then maybe, you know, people will think you are like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. So. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah, I, know, I, I haven't really followed the Green Party. You know, he, even Nader didn't run his Green Party in 04, if I'm not misremembering. Yeah, I think he was independent. At that point, I moved on to Kerry, but um, he was only Green Party in 2000, if I'm, if I'm remembering right. So, he yeah. switched around. But yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about their organization, but I, I think that's sort of to your point. Yeah. If they'd been effective, I think I'd have probably heard more from them. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this thing where it's like, I see the, their portraits and stuff. I'm like, guys, you can't just wear like a fleece jacket and you're, <laughs> you're like, can't candidate portrait. I know you're like the, the, the alt guys, but like, you know, put on a tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's probably not smart. I mean, they're, they're definitely, like you said, there are a lot of reasons why we've been stuck with two parties and it's, it's got more to do with the way our government is is structured yeah than the ineptitude of any particular group of people it's it's just really really hard to crack in so a lot of smart people like you are thinking why would i waste my time you know with this lost cause when i can get involved and maybe pull the democrats more in my direction yeah yeah the, um i i had a conversation for for the podcast with um this organizer seth fisher from philly and uh he was saying how um, he he doesn't pay attention as much, at least, to elections. And he was saying, like, yeah, trying to go from, like, where we are now to getting Bernie elected president feels a little like putting the cart before the horse because you're trying to just be like, this is our guy and we want to just, like, put him in charge and then, like, it'll get better. And it's like, well, no, like, there's all this, like, organizing work to do. And then you start to, like... You know, like this book I'm reading, it's like you'll have failures and you'll do a million different things. And, and little bit, little by little over time, you'll, you'll get more people in there who are 
at least sympathetic to your causes. Yeah, um, and it's so hard because the stuff that, that, that builds the structure that keeps people down is not sexy stuff. <laughs> right. It's like tax law. Yeah. You know, how are you going to educate the masses on tax law in just a short few months? Yeah. They're going to feel the impact of the tax law. Yeah. Before they will listen to more than 30 seconds of your thing about it. And so, yeah, like Bernie's thing, it's a revolution, it's a political revolution. Right. Uh, getting, uh, he figured if he was going to win, it would also mean that people were winning behind him, that representatives and senators were winning as well. Right. I, I think that probably is something that you know that he's said many times, but I don't know how many average Americans know that that was like the whole plan. And right. really they not just vote for Bernie, but a whole bunch of other people that are with him. Yeah. It's hard and, to get a message out. Right. And that's something that I think, uh, I think Bernie could have done a better job, honestly, of endorsing down ballot people who, who mm -hmm. were sympathetic to his, um, his ideology but you know the rest of us could have too, <laughs> so that's that's kind of the the whole rub of it. It is funny how we look to leaders. We look, we're always trying to look to somebody else. Yeah, to save our asses, you know. And that, and this is this is one of the Republican talking points to some extent. And there's like like all of their horrible shit. There's always a kernel of truth, right? Uh, <laughs> which is you know ultimately it really is up to us to dictate what happens and mm. because there are 300 and some million of us in america it just feels like any action that we each individually take is so futile and yet no one is more than a person right this is great evener you know we all are people and we all have an equal opportunity to get involved and and there are lots of different ways that folks who have attained power have used their power to make it so that people can't use the same routes they took to get the power and they can take people's power away either by making it all about campaign contributions right or by making it all about uh long lines in the voting booth uh area or uh, or, or no voting registration at all or just making it harder to vote you know whatever yeah um, but at the end of the day if you really are passionate about a thing you can you can get involved and you can figure out a way to get your voice heard and make a positive impact with your two hands and yeah your voice and we've we've all got that opportunity except for people who only have one hand Right, <laughs> they, they don't have that opportunity, but but right. the rest of us, yeah, most of us, <laughs> yeah, we got to help out those one-handed people. They're um, really, you know, they get screwed. They're, yeah, nobody stands up for them, and the, especially the one-footed people don't stand up for them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and and um, oh, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So. The, um, you know, it's like right there. I, <laughs> you can all step up. Yeah. Um, one footed people are lame. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just throwing you off. Now. So yeah, it's, it's now is a time when, you know, it's like you were saying, if people have to feel the, the impact of all these issues that, right. that we care about, you can't just expect to tell them and, and they'll get it and be on your side. And I think what's happening right now is a, a big, um, uh, you know, a, a, something where a lot of people are feeling the impact now of the uh, kind of shortcomings of our system. Um, so, you know, we're coming up on an hour. So if uh, if you have. Uh, I, sh I should go in a sec, but 
but go on go on let's, yeah let's, yeah let's... so i was just saying you know i i kind of end after about an hour anyway but uh okay. if um yeah so if you have like some final thoughts about what you know um how people take that that feeling right now of, of like that impact hitting them uh what what else uh do you have for well, the people <laughs> you know it's it's, it's it's really really tricky because uh people feel the impact and they don't know where it's coming from right right and that's a real problem because because both sides are blaming the other side. The Republicans and Democrats blame each other. Mm. And if you're a hardworking person or even if you're just a person playing video games really hard, uh, and you're not paying close attention, but you, but you feel the impact, uh, and then you turn on CNBC and you try to figure out, all right, who's responsible for this problem I'm experiencing, it's just so confusing, you're not going to know. And then you've also got people like my friend Marcus, who, who was uh, uh, chatting on that Facebook post. Um, you know, he... He's in a, a community, the African-American community, that's, that's just been given the finger for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And yeah. so his point, like, you keep asking us to come back to the table and to give you, the Democratic Party, you know, our unflinching support. And w what do we really get? Like, where yeah. is my community right now? What, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. I, I hope I can perhaps one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and for a person who's who's maybe not able to be super actively involved, but is feeling the dramatic impacts of the policies that come out of Washington, it can be very, very disorienting. And and even if I, I get the sense Marcus pays close attention and is really active, I get that sense. So he's coming from a place of, of he really knows what's up, um, and he's not a fan of, of, of where Biden's coming from. And I, I respect that. I can't really, at some point, I just have to be like, well, you know your interest better than I know your interest. All I can say is, to the extent that you're feeling an impact, you got to do a little digging to figure out who's really responsible. Because the thing that we haven't talked about on this call is we've just been talking as if everybody listening is a Democrat and it's just a matter of where you fall on the spectrum. Yeah. When the reality is half the country is Republican and, and a lot of those people felt like Donald Trump spoke to them in a way no one ever has before. And that's extremely frustrating because what it says is when you when you play the game as i've been playing it you know you, you are sort of an operative in the name of a higher good a greater good a higher calling and you kind of take the john Kerry pill and then you take the hillary clinton pill and then you take the joe biden pill and then people in the most uh, vulnerable communities are still saying i don't see it yeah show me the money um you're, you're definitely doing something wrong uh, and yet, from my perspective, the difference is still so, so, so incredibly stark. And it's helpful for me because I come from an environmental background. I see climate change as the existential threat. I see, yeah. you know, none of your social issues matter if we're not here anymore. Uh, and so I see that as the big thing that, that threatens our, our, our ability to have time enough to even solve the race yeah. issues, to solve the gender issues, the, the various other issues that, that confront us. Um, and so I'm rather tunnel vision on that which doesn't mm. really land on a, a marcus type yeah person. yeah and it, yeah because all those other things i think have to be in the mix when you know if you look at like the green new deal bill um a, a, there's a lot of stuff in there that people are like how what does that have to do with climate change and it's like well it does because like you know marginalized communities are more affected by these things and healthcare is gonna be a thing we have to think about along the way so right. you know, all this stuff 
No, that's right. If, it's, if, if you're going to put the New Deal label on it, then it really does have to be, I think, all-encompassing. And if, if you're going to actually go for your moonshot on climate change, you might as well. I mean, it's so unlikely to happen anyway <laughs> that you might as well make it a fully cohesive, fully authentic move where instead of just patching one patch on your broken jeans, you, you really just get a whole new pair of jeans. Right. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I'm just like, look, if you are a big Trump supporter, there's nothing I can really do. For you. Right. But if you are saying, oh, you know, I really love Biden. I'm sorry. I really love Bernie. And Biden just seems so watered down. And he seems so corporate and he seems so wishy-washy. And, you know, his background is so checkered. And this happened and that happened. Just shut up. <laughs> I mean, not really. I, 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 you know, I'm a comedian too. Right. But like, <laughs> just, just hang on tight to your nose or whatever body part you have to hang on to, and get, get him in there, and then, and then put all of that passion that you have for justice, yeah, toward moving him once he has somewhere to go, once he can do something with that movement. Right now, if you move him. You might be moving him away yeah. from all those Trump supporters who might otherwise be open to putting this guy in the most important position in our society. So that was, you know, that was where I was coming from online. That's where I will right. be coming from. It's not, and it's not easy. He voted for the Iraq War. You know, I know yeah. we're over time, but like the guy, the guy voted for the Iraq War, and I just, I, I'm just, I'm just like, how, how dumb do you have to be to yeah. support that war in, in the U.S. Senate in 2002, 2003? It's just, I, 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 you have to be so dumb or so opportunistic or so shallow. Mm -hmm. It just, that was my, one of my number one arguments against Hillary Clinton. And somehow, yeah. now that we've watched her lose and now Biden's in, somehow I'm, I'm okay. I can just, ignore, I can just ignore that vote somehow. Maybe I'm sexist. Maybe it's true, but I, I can I can't, I can't ever forgive it, but I, you get the point. I'm totally behind this guy. Right. And if he, yeah. if he gets switched out, if they do some magic trick and they switch him out and it's Cuomo, no problem. Yeah, I'm totally like behind Cuomo. Right. Like, I would, <laughs> you know, if they put Bernie in somehow or something bad happens, if he gets COVID and can't run, and they put in Daffy Duck, I'm 100% Daffy Duck, like whoever it has to be. Right. I can't imagine literally, I don't think I can literally imagine a person other than maybe Mitch McConnell. <laughs> yeah. Who would be worse than Trump, yeah. Trump. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's really hard to imagine somebody. Yeah. Um, and so, in that sense, Biden is, you know, unspeakably better. So, we end where we began. Unspeakably better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I'm convinced. So, <laughs> I, I gave you what you wanted here, Joe. I, I, uh... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, you know, a couple of the interviews I've done so far, we, we've, uh, it's been me asking questions about people's jobs. So it's cool to have a little bit of a back and forth here and, and you know, how, how all of this feels a lot of the time too. So good. Yeah. I hate, I hate, I hate jobs. <laughs> yeah. Especially Steve jobs. Yeah. That's, you know, I started this political podcast to do exciting shit. <laughs> Not, uh, I want information. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, let me tell you how I feel, Joe. Let me. Let me yeah. you, <laughs> oh God, I don't have a lot of hope. You know, I'm, I'm, not, in a, I'm not in a hopeful place right now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I haven't honestly since 2004. 
Really? That, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, broadly speaking. Yeah. On any given issue, I can go up and down on any given day. But broadly speaking, I'm. Yeah, I I try to think about all the times in history that must have seemed so hopeless too, and yeah. like you know, because because I have these thoughts. I'm like, I don't I don't see how there's a future to any of this, but. You know, World War Two happened, and and you know, it was. Yeah, and then things were okay, and then yeah. a bunch of good movies got made. There you go. <laughs> we all got entertained. No, it's true, and until until it's over, it's 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 it goes on, and as long as it's going on, you know, there's something to do, something to say. So yeah, I'm really excited for you, man. I'm really excited that you started the podcast. I wish you the oh, best. I really, really am psyched. I think it's a great use of of your talents and. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think family I calls. No, I, I think I have I have vermin. Oh, um, yeah, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> we have not been alone in this dungeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm 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 thrilled. I think it's a great use of your talents, and I I appreciate it. Thanks, man. It's well, I'm I'm glad it's uh you know, it seems like it'll be worthwhile. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Cool, man. Anything else? Uh that that's all I got. Thank you for doing it. Um, are you, you're in, in Maine, is that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I moved up here, Portland. Nice. Yeah, I moved to Boston last year. So. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, where are you in Boston? In uh, JP. Cool. I spent yeah. a lot of time in JP over the years. I grew up in Boston. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, so JP is my old stomping ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in uh, in Connecticut, so, you know, it's a... Uh, I like two two and a half hours from here, but it's it's cool. it feels like I'm I'm uh, I'm home. It feels like I came back home from. <laughs> yeah, New England is so. New England. I feel at home too. Yeah, it's, it's, I was in DC for a long time, so I'm I'm really excited to be uh, back among the assholes. Yeah, <laughs> different type of assholes. You know, assholes to your face. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Cool, man. Good talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Joe. Have a great right. day. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please get involved in any of the ways Matt suggested. Uh, vote or don't, but don't pull your hair out over it. And once again, you can find my EP on SoundCloud and Bandcamp and all platforms in August. Look for the links in the description. Until next time, keep fighting.